Better relationships don't happen automatically. They're built by applying God's wisdom. In this series, we're studying the biblical principles that build good, strong, healthy, life-giving relationships. This message is the fourth in the series, Relate. The message is entitled, Improve Intelligence, Part 1. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles this morning and your teaching sheets as we turn our attention to God's Word together. We're involved in a series of messages called Relate. We're on part number four of a 10-week series together. I want to talk to us this morning about improving the intelligence in your relationship. This series is really a pastoral series, and so what I'm helping you to do, hopefully, is to learn how to actually live your life out day in and day out with the practical principles of God's Word and how they change us. What we begin to understand in life is that the more we can develop better relationships, the better our lives will be, because most of your life is centered around relationships, and the Bible is a relational book. It's very clear that the whole book called the Bible deals with two basic kinds of relationships. Number one, our relationship with God, us with Him and He with us, and then our relationships one with another. In fact, Jesus was asked a question one day, what's the greatest commandment? And his response was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. It's depicted actually in the great uh, symbolism of the cross where Jesus reconciled us on the cross vertically, man to God, and reconciled us horizontally one to another. So even the cross itself speaks of relational dimensions. And relationships, for them to go well in your life, you have to do something. They don't, they don't just happen, autom- good relationships don't happen automatically. They're not magical. You have to develop certain skills. And last weekend we talked about skills. And the Bible is very clear about the skills that need to be a part, the skill set that needs to be a part of relationship building. And so I'm going to talk to us today about one aspect of that skill set called intelligence. And to show you that it's clearly in God's Word, I'm going to ask you to look with me at Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. We're going to read this together from the New International Version. And so if you'll read aloud and loudly with me, let's uh, get started with the basic uh, Scripture and, and foundation for our message today. Read together. By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. So I'm going to ask you to circle some words or highlight them there in these two verses, both in Frederick and Gaithersburg together this morning. Would you highlight or underline the word wisdom? By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding, circle or highlight that word, if you will, it is established, and through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. So wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Say those three with me. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. If you're going to build a house, if you're going to build a relationship with someone, a family, uh, connecting points with other people that are healthy, you have to have wisdom, you have to have understanding, you have to have knowledge. Just like in building a physical house. You can't build a physical house just by having a nice idea in your mind and hoping that sort of magically the house is going to happen. You have to know some building principles. You have to know some architectural principles. You have to have the right materials. You have to go and get involved in a wise building process. The same is true for the relationships of our life. Now, the first weekend of this series, we talked about getting connected. The second weekend, we talked about getting committed. Last weekend, we talked about skill. Today, the key word for you is intelligent. Say it with me. It is intelligent. God wants to impart to you some intelligence, some wisdom, some understanding, some knowledge about relationship building. Another verse, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. Listen to, again, the theme of knowledge that comes up in this passage. 
His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him, that's our relationship with God, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them, that's by the promises, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort, we talked about that phrase last weekend, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness... Circle it on your notes there, to goodness, knowledge. So again, this whole idea of spiritual growth, spiritual maturity involves knowledge, not just the knowledge of God, but also knowledge about relationships because it says to knowledge, self-control, that's a relational element, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, love. Then it talks about what happens when we possess these qualities in our life. 2 Peter 3.18 says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So what I wanted you to see this morning as we start out is that the Scripture is very, very clear that if you and I are going to build good relationships with God and with one another, we have to have wisdom, we have to have understanding, we have to have, what was the word we just talked about? Knowledge, okay? That is, we have to increase our intelligence, our relational intelligence. Have you noticed in a lot of your relational situations that the reason you get into trouble in relationships is that you do foolish things, right? Have you ever said to yourself, that was a stupid thing to say, or that was a stupid thing to do, or that was not a wise thing to say, that was a foolish thing to do in a relationship, and you suffer in the relationship because you step back and realize you were not as smart. That was not very smart. Have you ever said that before? That was not very smart for me to say. That was not very smart for me to do. And so what you're acknowledging there in that moment is that you are lacking something called emotional or relational intelligence. And according to studies that have been done just in, in the secular psychological world, social psychology, social, social psychology world as well, uh, in fact, there's a person that's very much an expert in this area of emotional intelligence by the name of Daniel Goldman, if you've ever read any of his materials, tremendous stuff. But he's come to see that about 85% of your success in life, whether it be in your relationships or your work environment, whatever it might be, about 85% of your success in life is really related not to your IQ, but to your EQ, your emotional quotient, your emotional intelligence. And there are a lot of people that are really, really smart when it comes to the IQ, but they don't always do well in life and relationships because they don't translate the IQ into the EQ. And if you want to be successful in life, 85% of your ability to succeed in a marriage, as a parent, in a work environment, on a team somewhere, whatever it might be, is found in learning how to have the kind of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, or emotional relationship intelligence that you need to actually work with people. Have you noticed that if you're going to get along in this world successfully, you've got to get along with people, right? Because the people around you, that's what, that's, what's, that's what life is about, working with people. So in this weekend and next weekend, I'm going to talk to you about four things related to uh, emotional intelligence, relationship intelligence. Two things today, two things next week uh, that we'll look at together. But the two things today I want to talk about, two things you've got to know, two dimensions of knowledge, two dimensions of intelligence that you've got to get really good at if you're going to build better relationships. The first one is you've got to know yourself. You've got to know you. If you don't know you, you're going to have a hard time getting to know other people. 
I'll explain that in a moment uh, in terms of the dimensions of you that you need to know. But let me see if I can start by explaining it this way. I'm going to draw several boxes here for you on the, uh, on the screen. And I'm going to let this represent you. And I'm going to put X's representing other people in your life. So we'll put some X's in, maybe representing your family members. Your marriage, if you're married. Your work environment, maybe people that you work around or work with. Since we're in church, let's just talk about the church you're planted in to grow other people around you in relationship. Okay. Now, I want to ask you a very simple question. I have four different rectangles here. In these different slots, what's the common, what's the common element in, in all of these? What? You, okay. The numbers of the X's change, right? The different numbers in each box. But the thing that stays the same in each of these boxes is you. And what I want you to see this morning is that in every relationship, you always bring you into it. And so if you don't learn something about you, you're learning, you're missing a significant part of the relationship because if you keep going into relationships and all of them keep getting messed up, you might want to start looking at the the common denominator, okay? And the common denominator is first and foremost who? You, okay? And so there's some things that all of us need to learn about ourselves that will help us take the right me into every relationship, okay? Let me talk to you about five areas that you need to know about yourself if you're going to be effective in relationships. Number one, you need to know something about your own personal relationship with God. Where am I in my relationship with God? Now, this is important because... In your life, you have a, I'm going to draw a little heart here in all of these, as much as I can here this morning. And everybody has a spirit inside. You, you have a heart. You're an inner being. You're not just an outer body. There's a, it's an inner portion of you. In fact, the Bible says that we are spirit, soul, and body, okay? And so when you come into a relationship, you don't just bring your body into the relationship. You also bring your spirit into the relationship. You bring your soul, your personality into the relationship as well. You bring the inner you as well as the outer you. And what's going on in the inner you is going to affect what happens in the relationship. And part of what happens in the inner you is your inner you is your relationship with God. And so if you're not right with God, then as you step into any relationship in your life, that's going to affect how you relate to other people. And the Bible tells us that we all have a spiritual temperature. At any point in time in your life, we could sort of insert, God can insert by His Holy Spirit a, a, a thermometer into your spirit, and He can read right where you are in terms of your spiritual temperature. And there are really only three ways that God measures spiritual temperature. He measures it hot, cold, and lukewarm. There are only three readings on God's thermometer. Hot, warm, hot, hot, cold, lukewarm. Look at Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other, so because you are 
lukewarm, neither hot or, nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. I, I will teach on it again at some point in time from more of the, uh, the aspect of what this says to us in our spiritual life. But for today's application, I want to I help you to see this in your relationships. If you have a cold relationship with God, what kind of people are you going to attract into your life? People who also have a cold relationship with God. If you're cold with God, the last kind of person you want around you is somebody who's really hot on fire for God. Because it's very opposite. You don't attract each other. And so if you, want, if you have a hot on fire relationship with God, if you're spiritually hot, I mean that in a good sense, okay? If you're spiritually on fire for Christ, what kind of people are you going to be most attracted to and who will be most attracted to you? The same kind. If you're lukewarm in your spiritual life, if you're sort of just kind of tepid, yeah, I kind of hang out with Jesus from time to time. He's all right, but I'm not really, don't get that serious about it. It's being lukewarm. Then you're going to attract the same kind of folks in your life. And you can't connect with and lead other people into deeper dimensions of relationships unless you're compatible, unless you're working together in the, with the same spiritual orientation. That's why, by the way, husbands and wives, it's very important that you get on the same spiritual wavelength because if you're not on the same spiritual wavelength, it's going to be a problem in your relationship. You both need to be on fire for Christ, committed to Him. And when you do that, the right dimension of relationship with God will carry you forward in your relationship one with another. So can I ask you this morning, what do you know about you? What do you know truly about your own spiritual temperature? Because you may very well be attracting the wrong relationships in your life because of this problem. The very thing is that your temperature is not where it needs to be spiritually. So the first thing you've got to check out, you've got to know about yourself, is you've got to know something about your spiritual temperature, your spiritual life. Second thing you need to know about you is your personality. You need to know something about your personality. How much do you know about your personality? And by that, I mean the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because in all of us, we have three, those three parts of our personality, don't we? We've got the good things. Those are the gifts that God has given to us, the capacities He's worked into our lives. Those things that uh, are, are really truly gifts from Him. Every person here, you're gifted by God. You have certain gifts that have been placed in your life. And one day you'll give an account to God for what you did with that. God wired you in a certain way to interact with your world. At the same time, we have some bad stuff in our personality because everything in your personality is not of you. Some of it is stuff you picked up along the journey, and I'll come back to that one in a moment. And some of the stuff are the ugly things that God's trying to get out of you, right? Anybody have some stuff in you? Just a little, one finger up on this one, okay? Yeah, there are a few things in my life that are ugly, right? Just a few things, right? Come on, I don't see any fingers in the air, okay? Come on, Frederick, I can't see you. Come on, here we go. We all have a few ugly things in our lives as well. And so the personality, I've got to get to know who I am. If I don't know who I am, then I can't really relate to you well. There are a lot of people that really get in bad relationships because they don't know themselves. They don't know anything about their personalities. They don't know who their gift, what their gifts are. They don't know the good stuff or the bad stuff or the ugly stuff. Now, the Bible teaches us that God has placed some wonderful uniquenesses in us. Notice Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We're all parts of it, and it takes every one of us to make it complete, for we each have different work, have different work to do, so we belong to each other, and each needs all the others. So we do bring value along with the fact that we bring some stuff. And that's my third thing that you need to know about yourself. You need to know your baggage. 
We all have baggage. If I were to say, okay, I want everybody here this afternoon that would like to take a trip with me at 4 o'clock, we're going to get the church buses, we're going to go wherever, okay? And we're going to be gone for a couple of days, so plan on that. And, and it, it, at 4 o'clock this afternoon, by the way, this is not an invitation. We're actually not doing this. Just wanted you to think with me for a moment. What you would do is that you would show up to the bus with what? Some bags. I guarantee you. Some of you ladies would come with like 20 bags, okay? Right? You'd show up with bags. Why? Because I'm going on a journey. I'm going on a trip. I'm going somewhere so I don't leave home without my bags. I don't leave home without my baggage. I don't leave home without my luggage. Well, the same is true in any relationship you go into. You carry with you the experiences of your past whether you've worked through them and dealt with them and learned lessons from them or whether there's still things that are painful inside of you that you haven't worked through yet. But I guarantee you in every relationship you have in life, you're not just bringing you. You're bringing a variety of stuff with you into the relationship. You've got a lot of bags that you show up with. See, a lot of people just think when they get married, for example, they're standing. It's just two people standing before the minister with all the bridal party. No, it's not just two people. It's like a whole pile of people that represented by those two people that have influenced their life and affected their life and hurt them in some way. And what they haven't found out is that those people are going to show up in the relationship. They may not show up by name, but they're going to show up by emotional interaction, by emotional experience. And so you've got to know something about your baggage. Baggage usually, negative baggage in relationship usually centers around the hurts and pains and disappointments of our past, the stuff that we haven't worked through, the stuff we haven't let go of. And some of us here today, you are, listen closely, you are emotional hoarders. You have, if we could look into the bags of your life, you've like stuffed stuff in there from like 30 years ago, 20 years ago, five years ago. And you've accumulated all this stuff in these bags, and then when you have an interaction that is similar to what happened to you back in that event, then what comes out is not just the emotion of this interaction, but the emotion that's been stored up all those years. And so wham, I mean, you've got a little thing going on. You bring out a shotgun to kill a fly, okay? It's because you got baggage. And so the good news is that Jesus can help you unpack your bags. Isn't that good to know? He can actually give you a new set of bags, good stuff that you can carry with you. But you have to let him work in your life. And it's not always fun. It's not always comfortable to let him kind of get into our bags and help us to see stuff that's there. But unless we're willing to do that and say, Jesus, my bags are available to you for you to inspect and let me know where my my anger is, where my bitterness is, where my hurts, where my disappointments are. I'm willing to let you show me these things so that I can deal with them and get rid of them. If you'll pray prayers like that, Jesus will help you begin to see what your bags are, what's in your bags, and to offload them and to repack them with the right kind of stuff called the fruit of the Spirit, okay? So you've got to know your relationship with God. You have to know, second of all, your personality. Third, you have to know something about your baggage. I've got two more. You have to know about your motives. What is a motive? A motive is the reason you do something. It's what moves you, what motivates you, what drives you to do something. In every relationship, there are motives. 
There are reasons we get into a relationship. There's something that drove us to that relationship. It might have been a need. It might be some agenda that we have. A lot of business relationships are based upon an agenda. I'm going to form a business with you because it's going to advance me, and maybe it'll advance you too, whatever the case might be. But there's always kind of agendas that happen with people in relationships. And so we have to know what our agendas are, what our motives are, or else we're we're going to find ourselves very, very frustrated. And the way you know your motives is to ask yourself the question, why am I really in this relationship? And when it comes to interpersonal relationships, really there's only one good motive to form any kind of interpersonal uh, friendship, relationship in life. And the one pure motive is this, to love. There's only one good motive that you can ever, that will motivate you to keep a good solid friendship, and that is love. Let me explain it to you this way. A lot of people get into friendships, get into marriages, get into relationships because they're trying to get something. If I can just connect with this person, I'm going to get what I need. And the whole focus, they may not state this, but the whole focus that's going on inside of them is they're after. So they're trying to get something to fill up something inside of them that is hurting. And so you're going to always, as we'll get to in a moment, be disappointed by that. And so your motives can really trap you. But on the, what love is different because love never approaches things. True love never approaches the, uh, another person from the angle of what can I get from you True love always approaches with the angle of what can I give to you, right? God so loved the world that he gave. And so the real love of God in any relationship is always oriented to what can I give, not what can I get, okay? Very, very important distinction because if, you're, if, you, don't, if you don't check out your motives and you, you're kind of living in a relationship and it's all about what you're trying to get from it, it's going it's to sometime it's going it's to go south. It's not going to work the way it needs to work because it's not based in the kind of love that you need. And by the way, that kind of love can only come from God. That's why, number one, is so important, your spiritual relationship with God, because if you don't stay connected and right relationship with God, who is love, you're never going to have love to give anybody else, because you can't give what you don't have. The only way you can have it is to get it from God, who is the source, total source of love. So you connect with Him. He's able to fill you with His love. Then you have something to give. Here's the beautiful thing. See, we think we've got to go after getting what we want, but the beautiful thing is when you give, that's when you get Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Luke 6, 38. Jesus said it this way. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Why? Because in the giving act is when you actually open yourself up with the right motives to actually receive. Let's take a look at a couple of Scripture verses here I want to talk about briefly for a moment. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Living Bible. Don't just pretend that you love others really love them. Isn't that an amazing verse? There's a lot of pretending going on in relationships in there. A lot of pretending. Look at the next verse, 1 Peter 1, verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have, circle this word, sincere love. Circle that phrase, sincere love, for your brothers. Love one another, how? Deeply from the heart. That is, let love be the motivation in your relationship. It says that we're to have what kind of love? What was the phrase that I asked you to circle there? Can I talk to you for a moment about this word? Is that okay? Sincere. There are a lot of different ideas in terms of the etymology of the word sincere. One of the 
one of the potential etymologies of the word sincere, etymology is where did the word come from, what are the roots of the word sincere, goes back to the Roman environment and a Latin term that was actually a compound word that meant without wax. Sincere, without wax. Syria is wax, and the idea was without wax. And what is, uh, I'll explain how this word came to mean this in the Roman culture, at least one of the potential options of the, again, etymology of the word. Um, artisans back in the Roman day would, would, would create statues, various things that they wanted to sell to the public. And so they would create a piece of art, maybe in marble or some kind of stone, and they wanted to sell it. But oftentimes what would happen is a little mistake would occur in it, a crack would form in the marble, and they wanted to sell it as something perfect, but they had a crack in it. And so what they would do is they would fill the cracks oftentimes with wax and polish over the wax with paraffin, and so they could actually present it to the public as being perfect when in reality it wasn't perfect, okay? And so you go and you go to the art store and you buy this beautiful, uh, beautiful statue of marble, and you think, wow, this is amazing, it's so perfect. You take it home, you sit it in your sunroom, okay? And the sun comes down, it's just a matter of time before, you know, my, 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 my statue is looking a little poor. It's starting, to, it's starting to weep. The wax is starting to melt, and then over time, because the heat comes onto the piece of marble, the piece of stone, what happens is the max, wax begins to melt away, and the cracks are revealed. Why? Because the heat reveals what's really there, okay? And so the, 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 the shops that wanted to be uh, known as truly being credible shops and credible uh, art artisans would hang a sign over their shop that said, Sincere or Sincere. This is a shop that uses no wax. You'll find no wax. There are no cracks covered by wax. Sincere. And so God says, I want you to love each other with sincere what? No, no wax. Don't just pretend. Don't just be phony about it. Because if you're pretending, let me tell you what's going to happen. There will always come a time in every relationship where something will show up. Heat. There's not a single relationship that you'll ever have in life that at some point in time, things won't get a little hot. I don't mean that in the other way, okay? I mean in terms of the emotions rising. Whether it's a marriage, a friendship, whatever it might be, there's going to be a moment, there'll be moments of testing when things get a little testy, things get a little hot. And in those moments when things get a little hot in the relationship, if the love is not sincere, if the love is not unpretending, unpretentious love, what's going to happen in those moments? A lot of cracks in the relationship will be revealed. And so that's why God says, I want you to have sincere love. Check your motives. What is the only right motive to enter into an interpersonal relationship with somebody else? What is the right motive? Love. What kind of love? Sincere love. What is sincere love? Sincere love is not what can I get, it is what can I Give Okay, last one together. We need to also know our fifth one. We need to know something about our expectations, our expect expectations. I'll cover this one fairly quickly. 
an expectation similar to motive, but has its own sort of nuances to it. An expectation is what I'm anticipating you doing for me, okay? Or, me, or you're anticipating me doing for you. So it's, it's something that I've established in my mind that may or may not have been communicated. Usually, most of our expectations are not communicated. And the, as we grow in relationships, one of the things you have to learn is how do you communicate expectations and how do you negotiate expectations so that as you work in a marriage or a friendship, your expectations are realistic, okay? Because what gets you in trouble are unspoken expectations, okay? Anybody ever had one of those things in your life before? Unspoken expectations or unrealistic expectations, Somebody was expecting you to do something you didn't even have the ability to do for them, okay? And so we carry these expectations inside of us that are either unrealistic or unspoken, and then somebody misses our expectation, and what is the response? What do you feel when somebody doesn't do what you expected them to do? Even if you didn't tell them, even if they were, it was unrealistic, but you still, they missed your expectation, what do you feel on the inside? Disappointed, Right? And usually from disappointment will come other things like frustration and anger and, and those other kinds of things that happen in our relationships. And so you can bypass a lot of problems in relationships by learning how to communicate regarding your expectations and how to make sure that your expectations are realistic of those around you by talking about them and working them out. And the best way to know if you have an expectation problem is to ask yourself this question very important, kind of a series, bundle of questions. The primary question is, how many disappointments am I carrying around? How frustrated am I I in this relationship? Frustration and disappointment in a relationship oftentimes, very many times, points back to the fact that you're holding on to some expectations that aren't being fulfilled, and oftentimes they're not fulfilled because they haven't been spoken or, or they haven't been realized because they're unrealistic and sometimes because they, they just have been actually avoided, even though they've been talked about, but for, the expectations are very, very vital to relationships. So you've got to know some things, okay? Who's the, who do you take with you into every relationship of your life? Every relationship of your life. There's you, okay? Every relationship, okay? And so if you don't know you, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. You've got to know about your, your, where am I in my relationship with who, God? Where am I in my personality? What are the, what's the good, the bad, and the ugly about me, okay? Where am I in my, what was it again? Where am I, number four, in my motives? Number five, in my expectations? All of these are knowledge points for you. This is where you gain more wisdom, understanding, and knowledge or intelligence so you can build the right kind of house. Let me quickly go to my last point here. So much time I've got left. Okay, another three hours. That's great. Excellent. Okay. You've got to know everything you can about people. You've got to get some general intelligence about people. You know, people are strange, aren't they? They really are. That means you, Okay. And me, okay? We're all strange, okay? We're all a little bit weird, a little bit strange in terms of who we are and how we, how we interact with people. So we have to, st- you gotta, are you a student of people? Are you? Do you study people? I like to study people. 
Because people are, they're like, it's fascinating. That's my favorite pastime when I go to the mall with my wife. I'm like, watching people. Wow, look at that. Learning everything I can about people. Because people are uh, incredibly fascinating. And they're incredibly unique. But they're also incredibly very much the same. It's interesting about how unique we can be, but also the very same we can be. But unless you become a student of people and start learning something about people, you're not going to know how to relate to people because you're not going to have the intelligence to know how to interact with them. Let me quickly look at our notes together. I'm going to ask you to read these with me as we work our way through them. And all the folks in Frederick, if you'll do this as well with me, that's fantastic as we wrap up. Here, I'll give you four ways, four ways you get to know people better. Number one, you have to be able to identify basic what? Human emotions. When you get to know people, can you read emotions? Can you begin to understand what emotions are? Some people are just totally emotionally blind. They have no idea what anybody else is feeling at any point in time. Second of all, you have to know what's appropriate and inappropriate in basic human interactions. So you've got to learn something about yourself, yes, but also other people. What is appropriate and what is inappropriate in an interaction with someone? You know, some things are just inappropriate, right? Okay. If I'm meeting you for the first time and I hope to become your friend, if I get without like three inches of your nose to have a conversation with you and I stare at you the whole time and never blink my eyes, I would call that inappropriate. The chances are I will not make you my friend, okay? Chances are you're gonna, that person, they're going to get away from me as quickly as possible because they think, who is this guy, okay? And additionally, they're going to offer me some Tic Tacs or something because I'm that close, okay? <laughs> So you see what I'm saying? We don't. We got to measure like things like these. Th these things are important, like like personal space and those kind of stuff. This is stuff you have to learn and think about in your relationships with people. A lot of times you're actually de you're actually defeating your desire for a relationship because you haven't learned appropriate things. How do I appropriately relate to this person and build a connecting point with them? I mean, if you if you go out on a date, guys, if you're single, uh, ladies, you go out on a date the first time and, the, and you seem to kind of like this person, and by the time the date's coming to an end, you say, "Well." you marry me? Okay. That's probably not going to go over well, okay? This is the first time. This is like inappropriate. And so you've got to think about these kinds of things. Number three, the third thing. Here we go. What is rude, insensitive, offensive, considerate, inconsiderate, helpful, hurtful, respectful, disrespectful? You've got to know this kind of stuff about people. Because if you don't know how to pick this stuff up, First of all, in your own life, you're going to create problems. Also, you're going to connect with people that you shouldn't be connecting with. Have any of you ever been hurt? This is kind of a rhetorical question, so you don't really need to respond to this. But have you been hurt before by somebody that was rude and insensitive and offensive and just disrespectful and the way that they inconsiderate and the way they responded? We've all been hurt by people like that. And we walked away from the interaction saying, you know, I wouldn't want a friend like that. And so it's good, it's good to be able to measure these things and learn about them. The last one is how to express what? Empathy, demonstrate compassion, show genuine concern, and to honor boundaries, to honor boundaries. Let me illustrate this one this way. Julio, can I use you just for a second, if you will, if you'll come up? I can know he's not going to be offended by this because he's my friend, okay? <clears throat> Julio, let's just say that <clears throat> we're friends. Let me show you how this works, okay? Uh, let's say we're friends, and, and uh, Julio comes in one day and says, you know, you know, I just want you to know it's been a really tough week for me. And I've gone through this, this, and this. I'm really facing this with my, my kids, and this is happening with our finances and stuff like that. If I say to him, man, you know, that's, that's horrible. Hope it all works out for you. <laughs> want to go fishing? 
what did I do right then? You see that I, he was my friend. I don't know if he still is, okay? But what I did in that moment is I didn't connect empathetically with him. There was no connecting point. Do you know that Jesus was very empathetic? I could take you through story after story in the Bible of Jesus connecting, empathizing with people in the midst of their pain. He didn't leave them there, but he connected with them so he could help them, okay? Now, on the other hand, if I say, you know, Julia, that's really, really tough. I'm so sorry to hear that. Could you tell me more about that? What did I just do? Please, uh, this is a skill, guys, okay? It is not rocket science. I asked him an open-ended question, didn't I? Could you tell me more about this? Would you tell me more about this? Tell me more. What I did then is I opened up the door for him to do what? To share. And then if I say, wow, it sounds like you're, you're, you're feeling some stuff. What are, you, what are you feeling? What are you going through on the inside? Then what did I do again? I, I presented him an open-ended question. And then I say, by the way, how can I help you? What can I do to help? What is, there, is there a way that I can be a part of this? If can I help? Then I also, all these are not close-ended, let's get this situation over with. What it is, it provides a connecting point of empathy and compassion. And when we finish our conversation, then what has occurred is the bond of our relationship has grown deeper. We, he realizes, I do care about what goes on in his life. Now, you can't have thousands of relationships like this because, I mean, you would have no time to do anything else, Okay. But in the close relationships, you know that there are husbands and wives that never have these kind of, rela- these kind of talks, okay? You want to you remedy that because this is what provides bonding. This is what provides connection with one another, okay? I hope it all works out for you. <laughs> what did we learned today? You want good relationships? What do you have to have? Intelligence. Put a really big comma right there, and next weekend we'll continue. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for reminding us that a house is built by wisdom. And I pray today in Jesus' name that you grant us the wisdom that we need to build the houses that you want us to build. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to learn more about ourselves, learn more about people. We can become more intelligent, learning the things you want us to learn. We know that you're the God of wisdom. Grant it to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. 
Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.